0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That is Tom Fernelli. That is Danny Canale. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, it's a Wednesday, so we're going to dive into the big old bag of mail. Uh, but before we get to some of those mailbag questions, which include, um, you know, some inquiries into what we should expect for a Power 5 team that is trying to uh, reboot the roster, you know, what are you looking for for those the gradual growth along the way, Florida and Washington, who's been more disappointing this season. And then on that note, uh, some expectations for what might happen now that Dan Mullen has started to make some staff changes with a little bit of pressure on him in Gainesville. But the first uh, and sort of big topic for today is an activity that can only be done once a year. Uh, this is, you know, like an astronomical event. You know, there, there's a very small window where you can get outside and you can see this comet known as Bowl or No Bowl passing by in the sky because it, we are at this awesome point where so many teams, the teams we're going to talk about today, I think all of them are right at nine games. One of them is at 10, if we end up getting to them. Three games left to play. Pretty much everybody's either five and four, or four and five. And so every single fan is doing this math in their head. And it's interesting because sometimes you go into the season and you are thinking that bowl game, like that is going to be a good goal for us to have. And that is one sort of tone and backdrop for uh, bowl or no bowl. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times where it's like, man, we were kind of hoping to be competing for a conference title. Why are we sitting here on November 10th sweating bowl or no bowl? So we're going to go from both ends of the spectrum here. Um, We have uh, a lot. If you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash cover three. We'll be providing you with some of the information that we will also be calling out. Uh, here on the show, including teams' records and remaining schedule, as those are some of the uh, the big operative questions here in bowl or no bowl. But I want to begin with a homer one because I, I'm, I'm going to pull the curtain back. Bud Elliott wanted to strike this team from the list of debate, and I want to know – I'm going to turn it to Danny because I know that Danny's got the belief, judging by the helmet in the background and the hat on his head – that is a sweet hat, by the
2: way. It's a very sweet yeah. hat. Is Thank it you. is it like a new uh like No, my I got hotel? this. It's it's just a Nike. I got it at the bookstore. I was there in the summer when my daughter off camp went. I kind of liked it. Just a little old school throwback. So are you putting us on the spot for bowl or no bowl for Florida State? For Florida State, right off the jump. Now, are we under the assumption that it's going to be the six games minimum, or do you get sort of a five and seven potential in play? Because do you really I, think I don't,
0: APR? I don't think APR is going to be coming through and save this Florida State program.
3: I mean, two years ago, like this is the one thing that Willie did well, is like he actually made his kids go to class because under Jimbo, they just were not going to class and they were they were like a couple kids away from being like bull ineligible due to the APR, which just doesn't happen unless you're like a severely underfunded school. Um, you know, so They've done some APR improvement. I don't. I don't suspect they are APR eligible. So I wouldn't Florida State
0: think. is three and six. They play Miami this week. I think that game is winnable. They play at Boston College. I think that game is winnable. And at Florida, and we will get to the Gators here in just a second. I think that depending on where the headspace of that Gators team is at, I think it's winnable. Those are three individual events of which I think that Florida State has a coin flip try. I understand stringing them all together, the odds are unlikely.
2: But do you see it, Danny? So you said they're all winnable. They're also no doubt losable, right? (laughs) Yes. And the probabilities probably would say that they lose one of those. I I think they have an outstanding chance to win this weekend. But then, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's cold at BC and they're feeling good about themselves that they would lose that game, like a surprising loss, and then come back and beat Florida. Like, it's just the inconsistency, the up and down with this team. They've been all over the map. So, with that being said, even though I am wearing my gear, but it is because it's Miami week and it's hate week and we got to, like, support the Noles, I will say that the, the Noles do not make a bowl. I'm gonna yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to agree. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a path. <laughs> thought, right? just kind of stating the obvious.
3: You know, I, I they've made market improvement this year. And I think they were 88th in SP Plus last year. Now they're 48th. That's a good jump. Um, some of the wins haven't fallen their way. I think somebody should lose their job, probably a coordinator, over the, the end of the Jacksonville State game, because that's the deciding game here. That's why they're not going bowling. They, they lost to freaking Jacksonville State, you know. Um Miami, this new quarterback they have, Tyler Van Dyke, has been absolutely on fire. And FSU will give up explosive plays through the air with the best of them. That's kind of the one thing this defense does poorly. Uh, Boston College getting its quarterback back, Jerkovic, really hurts their chance. If they still had Grossell in there, I would probably be inclined to, to say closer to a bowl. At Florida, that's a real wild card for me because you don't know has Florida quit. Against South Carolina? It looked like they did, but they also had the flu. So, like, what is Florida's true level? Will they actually be up for that game? I mean, that's a game you can go in there and win. I'm not going to pick you to do it right now, but like, if Florida's checked out, FSU is still playing hard. I will give them that. So, this is possible. It's just not very likely.
0: No bowl also, but it is great for narrative purposes because it allows us to turn the page and our attention to Gainesville, where Florida is four and five here headed in to week 11 of the college football season. A Florida team that, sure, we had slotted behind Georgia, but uh, we didn't expect to have them featured on bowl or no bowl. Now, this week, uh, you, they are against Samford uh, at home. Then they will go to Columbia to play the Alpha Nerd in Missouri, a, a Missouri defense that you know has has provided lots of opportunities for us to take advantage of this season. And then, as we just mentioned, the final game of the season against Florida State, that game being in Gainesville, Need to win two out of three, sitting at four and five. So Sanford, Missouri, Florida State, bowl or no bowl for the Florida Gators.
1: Bowl. I mean, I, I think Sanford, we just chalk up that's a win. If it's oh, not, but it
0: would be so funny.
1: It would be hilarious, but it's a win. So you're asking, can they split at Mizzou, Florida State at a minimum? Yes if unless you know like bud was mentioning talking about florida state unless they're completely checked out and quitting and all that kind of stuff mizzou defensively is just a mess it has been for a while i don't see them being able to slow down this florida team often enough to beat them although it is on the road so anything could happen it's like an afternoon kind of game something strange could happen and then that florida state game is a rivalry game and, and things can get weird it's just i can't imagine this team only going one and two down this stretch instead of winning at least two of these games.
3: Yeah, I, I have them at like 90-something percent. And that's just straight numbers. I think you should probably reduce that slightly to account for the, for the possibility uh, that they have quit uh, or that there's something more cultural going on there than the numbers are, are, are picking up. Uh, they should beat Sanford. It is interesting that uh, Missouri is favored over the team that just beat Florida by four scores. South Carolina's a dog this weekend. So,
0: I, yeah, I I think at Missouri, based on situation and like if if the South Carolina loss is going to show us a new floor that I didn't think was capable, I think that's lose uh, absolutely a losable game for the Gators.
3: And I got to tell you, I really do not think Dan Mullen will be fired this year uh, because his buyout doesn't reduce like around Christmas time. So there's no reason to wait. His buyout's the same next year as it is this year. If they were going to do it, they wouldn't just fire some coordinators. They would just just rip the bandaid right then and there like like Virginia Tech it's very obvious to me at least that they're waiting to fire Fuente because his buyout does reduce a couple weeks into December you know with Mullen there's not that going on there if they don't make a bowl though fire I think yeah I think that he'll be gone if they seriously like if you can't make a bowl with this schedule
2: there's something wrong
0: struggle against Samford lose at Missouri and have Florida State beat you at home is the recipe for how Dan Mullen gets fired
2: or lose yeah. sideways to Florida State, which I don't think happens. But like, if you get if you get like manhandled B6 at and home, six.
0: like B six and six, but lose that game at home badly by the seminal to the Seminoles. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think so. Especially if Florida State doesn't win against my, you know, like there's a lot that could unfold. Here's the thing, because I, I want to say Florida's a lock. Like they went out, and the reason being, I think, I think, I think the game was. I think they do, they do have some excuses, right? They did have you know, uh, the flu. They did have a lot of players out. Anthony Richardson was there. uh But, and then I'm like, well, they're going to show up for a rivalry game. I also they sh- thought they'd show up for the LSU game. And then all of a sudden, LSU comes back. And maybe that's more about LSU being better than we thought because they played Bama pretty tough. But I feel like in a rivalry game, like Tom was saying, I think you'll get Florida's best no matter what happens because these dudes talk trash. They see each other, you know, all off. Like, they're just... It's just a rivalry game, and it's at home, and I would think they would get their best foot forward. So I'll say bowl for the Gators, and I think Dan Mullen survives. I just think he enters next season with that seat being hot.
0: Mm. Is do, tell me about the Florida like booster culture community? Like, do they have uh, the type of um, people around the program that can pass around the hat and quickly gather together funds, or is this a, a different situation where the university has a lot of resources, but in terms of being able to cobble together uh, money from a couple prominent boosters, it's not exactly the the same type of setup. Does that question make sense? I hope I'm not. It does. Not.
3: Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, they they definitely have people who could uh, mm-hmm. now. One interesting dynamic here uh, is something. By the way, if you guys listen to the Swamp Twenty Four Seven podcast, I, I thought the episode Thomas Thomas Goldcamp did uh, was absolutely great. So, like that, that's a really, really good show. Pretty insightful. Check that out. Uh, Florida for a while like didn't update its mm-hmm. facilities, and recently they've been you know kind of beating the drum and, and making sure people give them a lot of money. And when you ask people for for money for new facilities, and they're you know building that that beautiful new footballing facility. People do expect certain results, and they want to make sure they're investing in a product that is good. If you want to invest in our product, show ads at (laughs) 247sports.com is how you do it. You you know we bring it each and every day. Even though I'm sick, I'm I'm all hopped up on the Sudafed right now. Uh, But one thing that was interesting, I was going through our podcast reviews, and there was one for Swamp 24-7 that basically said, hey, in a team meeting after the UGA loss, Mullen ripped the players, coaches, and and, uh, basically they just quit on him." I don't know how to separate the flu thing from Florida allegedly quitting on him. We're going to see that these next three weeks. Like, if, if he's lost the team, lost the team, we'll we'll find out. <sighs> mm, Probably shouldn't fine. cite an Apple Podcast review as fact. No, that's no, that's theory. Of course. No, 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 keep it going. <laughs> yeah. Actually, any anything I've ever reported came from a comment <laughs> section or, or yeah. a message board. Also, is- strong correlation. I put this on Twitter. I looked at all of our twenty four seven sports podcasts. There's a couple good negative views with like you know constructive criticism or hey maybe the show's just not my flavor. Most of them are really positive. The ones that are idiotic, it's like a one to one correlation with misspelling the word lose. It's like L O O S L O O S E. Yeah, I'm like okay, this is losers. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I
0: I think that where you are digging is where we find the truth. (laughs) And since we are the CFP anon podcast, you know this is uh, this is part of our journey. Um, Okay, what about Missouri? Go ahead.
1: Tom, oh no! I was just gonna—I was just gonna make a joke because uh, I think Staples is Andy Staples is joining us.
0: Oh, he's joining the—is does he want to be the CFP non-shaman?
1: Is he—he he, he mentioned yesterday yeah. that the only, he's
2: got a tin tinfoil hat.
1: The only Michigan <laughs> is ahead of Michigan State was to give us something to talk about for the week.
2: Mm, the the
0: army is growing.
1: Staples.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Let's go with Missouri real quick. Four and five right now, and Missouri's at the center of this because uh, South Carolina at home, the game that Bud just mentioned where Missouri is favored, Florida at home, as we just mentioned, and then uh, the rivalry game at Arkansas. That's a Friday game during the, the Thanksgiving weekend. So South Carolina and Florida at home, Arkansas on the road, need to win two out of three. Does Missouri get it done? Bowl or no bowl?
1: Well, South Carolina is absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, this is they're favored, but I think it's what by a point. It's not yeah. like yeah, they're not considered heavy favorites for this game, and I view that as something of a coin flip this weekend, even though it's at home. Because, like I was saying when discussing the, the uh, Florida thing, it's just their defense has been so bad. But I think they can beat South Carolina if they do. Under the assumption, I still don't think they're going bowling.
2: <laughs> what? What about what about y'all? Is Basilak out for the year? No, I think it, I think I just saw that he was uh, he's back at practice, but not 100. percent And that he maybe like there was an insinuation that maybe he could have played against Georgia, but you're like, nah, we don't want to put him out there against Georgia and get hey. killed. Which I, I would have <laughs> yeah. done the same thing. Yeah, um, I agree. So I think hmm. here's a potentially place, and because fin- I do think that's an important piece of this. But even with him. Tom said it. The defense isn't good enough to get it done. Like that's what worries me. That Florida's you know rush heavy attack will just come in and lean on them.
3: I actually bumped their defense up a little bit after the Georgia game, just with how how hard they fought in the first half. Like Georgia kept trying to run the ball up the middle, and Missouri stoned them. Uh, I mean, now Georgia still got its points, but it's it's freaking Missouri's defense. You're you're looking for for small victories here. Uh, with that said. I've got them about 25% to make it, which may be the high man on, on this podcast. I don't know. Like, if you gave me five to one, I would definitely take it. I think
0: that to beat the Florida, um, you know, as the wrinkle here is very interesting. As we mentioned, this weekend is huge. This weekend is also huge for South Carolina. South Carolina is five and four. Nicest guy in the SEC just needs one at Missouri and two home games. Hey, don't worry, Shane. Two teams just coming to your house. It's only Auburn and Clemson. So, is it this week or bust? And even if South Carolina loses this week, I mean, could Shane pull one off on a Clemson team that is playing below standard? You know, being able to, you know, channel some of that. He was on a Steve Spurrier staff. Is he going to channel some of that Steve Spurrier energy and get the upper hand on Dabo and the Tigers? Because for South Carolina to make a bowl this year, I think would be... So far above my expectations and a huge win for the Gamecocks in so many ways. It is awesome that they're sitting here at five and four. But again, the three remaining games at Missouri, home against Auburn, home against Clemson, Gamecocks, Shane Beamer, bowl or no bowl?
3: Bowl. This week or just in general? In general. like Why, why can't they beat Auburn? They won't be a double-digit fa- double dog at home to Auburn. I don't, and not in my numbers at least. Yeah, I'm
1: with you. I mean, I I can't believe at the beginning of the season, I would think that would be opposite situations between South Carolina and Mizzou, where I figured at this point Mizzou would need one win in three, and South Carolina would be looking at a nearly a very difficult situation, but. I, I won't be shocked if they get the win this weekend to get it. Even if they don't, like Bud said, I think they can beat Auburn. I think they can beat Clemson. So if they've only got to win one of these three games, I
3: think more often than not, South Carolina's going bowling this year. I think they have to get it done in the next two weeks. I, I don't Clemson's the one really elite unit left that they have to face, and I don't think they can move the ball on Clemson's defense. Um, like they 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 just they won all their coin flip games. Mm-hmm. So here's their post game win expectancies. This is hilarious, right? So East Carolina, 100%, or excuse me, 74%, Eastern Illinois, 100%. So they got, they got those. 0% Georgia, 10% Kentucky. That was actually a close one, but it was kind of lucky that it was that close. 90% Troy, 1% Tennessee, 89% Vanderbilt, which, again, kind of crazy given how close that was. 0% Texas A&M, 100% Florida. South Carolina either wins a game <laughs> or, they, or they play like crap. There's no in-between, really. Um, and they took care of business against the teams that they were slight favorites against. And then they beat Florida, which was huge.
0: The
2: ECU I'm gonna game say they missed.
3: Missed. Ooh, okay. Danny,
1: Gamecock hater.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say they missed. It wasn't that long ago. Like, do you think it's... Do you think it's... Is this, is this hot or not? Shane <laughs> Beamer should lose. To go take over the Virginia, or should should leave, not lose. Shane Beamer should leave to take the Virginia Tech job because he can't win at South Carolina. That's not hot at all. I don't uh, think that's hot. But South Do you think Carolina it's pays, South Do you Carolina think pays really well. Would you go hire Shane Beamer if you're Virginia Tech? I wouldn't. I don't. I mean, if, if they're almost bowling and we're talking about what a job he's done, over exceeding expectations,
3: are they really better than last year? Like SP Plus has him seventy fifth. What's FBI having like eightieth? I think that if I'm in charge of
1: Virginia Tech, I'd rather have somebody a little more established right now. I would. I just think because right now where the program is and where it's been, it's like you don't want to – if you screw this up like your next hire, it could set you back a little bit. So I I don't think Shane Beamer would be at the top of their list, but his last name is Beamer, so he's going to be on the list.
0: I, I was coming at it from the other way, Danny.
2: Do you think that Shane would do that? Right now, at this—that was kind of my angle too. Like, what, like, because I mean, if, and that's where I think, like, after the AM game, maybe he's certain, you know, dodging a bullet versus Vanderbilt and realizing, whoa, this is kind of hard where I am. Like, and and you see the pulse. Like, am I ever going to be able to go toe to toe with Florida and Georgia? But then he beats Florida, so then it's, so then it's like kind of skewed. But before that. I would have said maybe he would have entertained that idea, but I think he's brought a ton of optimism, and maybe now he's like, hey, maybe I can pull a Spurry or Maybe I can get to 10-11 wins and kind of capture capture some magic. And he's done it with a graduate assistant that wasn't even on the roster that long ago playing quarterback. I mean, it's pretty remarkable the job he's done.
3: Are, they, schedule- are they scheduling the right way there for him? I haven't looked at their future schedules. That that would be something I, w- I would really, really matter. Like this year, Clemson and three – you know, non like not difficult non-conference games.
0: I don't know that ECU game was a
3: sweat. Yeah, but like if you're good, that should not be a sweat. You know what I'm saying? I would be sticking to that
1: philosophy. Clemson and three teams that should be favored by at least three touchdowns against.
3: To me, Mm -hmm. we have not seen what the new SEC will look like as far as does it go to pods, does it stay at divisions once Oklahoma and Texas come in. My opinion on that job right now is it is a paycheck job. You go there because you're going to make a guaranteed 20 million bucks and you know you can't win.
0: I if if Shane Beamer is intrigued by it, not having a personal relationship with him as one of the few media members who does not have a personal relationship with Shane Beamer, I will say that I it would surprise me for him to just ditch this program where he's already got, you know, previous ties, even though it is Virginia Tech. Like it it would almost be like, all right maybe not this time, right? Like maybe three or four years down the line. Once Fuente's replacement gets fired, then maybe he entertains it. I mean, wouldn't big Frank even just come in and be like, Shane's not ready yet. You know, like let's, let's give him some more years. Cause he's been a coach in big as an assistant at all the big time programs, right. With Georgia, mm-hmm. Oklahoma, you know, the Steve Spurrier staff at South Carolina, He's he spent some time even up at Virginia tech, but this is still his first year as a head coach. I think that's significant.
3: Um, I did find the future schedules. By the way, they are absolutely setting up Shane Beamer to to go to bowls. Georgia State, Charlotte, South Carolina State, and of course, Clemson, UNC, which is a neutral, neutral game. I think that was the second neutral game they had against them. It's like the, the comeback off what they played twenty nineteen, maybe mm-hmm. or yeah. twenty eighteen. They played a couple times, yeah. Uh, Furman, Liberty, Clemson, and then the twenty twenty four Old Dominion, Akron, Wofford, Clemson. They are really oh, yeah. they're they're in tune with it. They're they're doing the right thing. They're not pulling that what Arkansas did to Chad Morris.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of Virginia Tech, let's, let's look at those Hokies because everyone is, uh, you know, everyone is hip to the, the knowledge that Bud has said on this podcast before. And it certainly seems to be the conversation around this program and this job that uh, Justin Fuente's buyout will drop in December. And at that point, there would be the expectation that Virginia Tech uh, would make a move and then begin to look for its next head coach. Now, what kind of impact does that conversation have on the locker room? We will see as Virginia Tech, which is four and five, has its last home game this Saturday against Duke. Then after that, uh, the Hokies will be going on the road to Miami, and then they finish the season in the Commonwealth Cup against Virginia. Got to win two out of three, Duke, Miami, Virginia, with your coach on the hot seat, bowl or no bowl, Virginia Tech.
1: The math says this is a coin flip. I say it's not happening. I just look at this team right now. You you mentioned that schedule. Duke, I think they win. I don't think they're beating either Miami or Virginia on the road. I just look at the way Virginia Tech has played. Like they started the season with that win over North Carolina, they beat Middle Tennessee, and they went on the road and they lose to West Virginia, and they beat Richmond, and since then they've just been a bad team. Like they hung with Notre Dame Lost, and I felt like it just let the air out because since then it's been the you know three touchdown loss to Pitt. You lose at home to Syracuse. You lost by two to BC last week. Your only win is against the Georgia Tech team that is kind of on your level of being a bad team in the ACC this year. And that's why I think you're going to be Duke because that's one of the few teams you can be. But if you look at how Miami's played the last few weeks with Van Dyke. I think they're getting better. And you look at the way Virginia's played all season and the fact that that game is in Charlottesville, it's a huge rivalry. I know the Hokies will be pumped up for it, but they could also be working under, you know, they could have also just be done with the season by then. Who knows? So I don't think it happens. I do not see this team winning two of these three games.
3: I agree. Uh, They also have the Burmeister injury, and we don't really know what his status is going to be. That's a common theme so far on a lot of these is is QB injury.
2: It's like that's how you got here.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. In many cases, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, I'm with you. I'm with you guys. I, th- I think they don't. But speaking of Burmeister, I think what might get Justin Fuente fired mm. is what's going on with Hendon Hooker at Tennessee. T- I watched some film of him the other day. I was just watching him. Man, he throws a good ball. It's pretty. It's effortless. He's making really good decisions with the football. His footwork is there. He's athletic. Like, you couldn't make that work? I don't know.
3: Check the tape. I, I, I thought that Josh Heupel was absolutely nuts for playing Joe Milton over Henry Hooker. I was like, if they're playing Milton, I'm betting against him every game. Like, you can't play quarterback. And it's – I don't know what – like, is Henry Hooker the worst practice player in the world? That's what I was thinking. He's got to be terrible. Box Hack pick Braxton Burmeister over him? Right. <laughs> <laughs> picked just... Joe Milton over him?
2: What are we doing? He, he's got to be terrible in practice because in yes. games he, he, he throws a really nice ball. He may be – I think he's actually starting to rise up some of the ranks where Tennessee fans should be worried that if he gets a draft grade, it's going to be first round. Like, I I – I think the upside on him is exactly what the NFL is looking for. Big arm, you know, can run, can, uh, you know, can make all the throws. I think there's, I think he's going to start to gain some traction here. You mentioned the practice player. If I didn't, I don't know if you remember this, bud. uh, I was the backup to Charlie Ward my sophomore year. And I was competing with a guy named John Stark to be the, the successor to Charlie Ward. And every other week we would be, the second string. So one week I was second string. The other week, John Stark was second string. And it just kind of so happened to fall that, and one of the reasons was I was not a great practice player. I was not good in practice. I didn't like, wasn't that I just, there was something about it. I just needed kind of more pressure, more live action. I just needed that juice flowing. And it just happened to be my week when Charlie Ward was out for for 1993, our national championship year, he hurt his uh, ribs And was out for the game against Maryland. And it happened to fall to me. So I got to start. And thankfully I went out and threw five touchdowns, zero interceptions, like 350 yards. And even like Mark Rick was like, Whoa, like, okay, all right, we feel pretty good about you. And that like gave me the leg up. And then the following spring, when I'm competing for the starting job again, and I had a leg up because of that game, Coach Bowden had to call me in his office and was like, Look, we think you're the starter. But if you want to win the job, we need you to start doing better in practice. And I tr- like, I tried, but like I, it was close to me losing the job because I wasn't great in practice. And then, and then thankfully I got in the field and it kind of worked itself out. So those, those situations do unfold for whatever reason, and that's got to be the only explanation because I've wondered several times, like imagine what Tennessee could be if they had started Hendon Hooker from day one and they had beat Pitt and they were even more uh, you know, upside here that Vol that fans would be excited about.
0: I do think a good note from producer Jordan uh, in the private chat to us that, you know, in practice, it's non contact, which means there's a lot of spring game sacks. And so, in the, all the escapability that Hinden Hooker has, the ability to keep his eyes down the field, extend a play, and still be able to hit an explosive, that is definitely going to be something that's going to show up more when you're going up against uh, an opponent
2: that can get their arms around you.
1: So, the um, lesson is just start, start letting your defense tee off on your quarterback
3: in practice.
2: <laughs> well, that was my problem, too. I didn't, I didn't get to showcase the wheels either.
3: You also had – yeah. I mean, <laughs> you had a pretty good, pretty good defense you were going against there at times.
2: Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, absolutely That was a big problem too. Like, oh, did Mickey did Andrews let up a lot in practice? <laughs> well, no. So I And the other thing is because we were so short on depth at quarterback, I didn't get hit. So we had green jerseys on, and that drove Mark Rick nuts. And then actually when they did take – and it was live, I actually played better. I don't know what it – like. I don't know. Uh, there's, there's always just been a lot
1: of QBs who need to get hit to really get going. Yeah.
0: So, and sometimes um, I need to know that something is due in an hour if I'm going to do it. You know? it's <laughs> <laughs> like Procrastination of having a linebacker barreling down on you. I,
2: I, I didn't play, I play live hits. Like, yeah. we talk a lot of times and some of our TV hits are live. Some of them are taped. I don't know about you guys. I feel like I'm always better live than I am yes. taped because you're like, you're like, ah, if I screw up, I don't know. There's just the pressure that kind of it—it it makes you a little more finely tuned. Absolutely. Um, speaking of pressure,
0: things are um, spiraling quickly in the wrong direction at Texas. I mean, we're we're shedding tears of emotion, so we're trying to fire up our roster on the bus. We are having players uh, head off to the transfer portal. The the relationship between coaching staff and roster. Listen. It gets really bumpy when you have coaching transitions. These are somebody who didn't necessarily recruit you. It's not like everything is unusual uh, that it might have some hiccups as Steve Sarkeesian gets things going. But they have a 4-5 and record going into the weekend and a remaining schedule of Kansas at home, West Virginia on the road, and Kansas State also at home. You have to win two. One of them is Kansas. But with West Virginia and Kansas State as the last two games there, and maybe I shouldn't even take Kansas as a gimme, but Texas Longhorns, four and five, bowl or no
1: bowl.
3: I'll be bold. I'm going to say bowl. I
2: mean, Kansas
3: is not bold. Yeah, they're going to beat Kansas. So. Um.
2: Oh my goodness! Imagine if they didn't though. <laughs> hey, oh, it wouldn't be
3: the first.
1: I don't think it's a guarantee, but I think that it happens a lot more often than it doesn't. Like I, I, I would pick. Like I would bet on them going to a bowl game. I don't think it's a guarantee, but I mean, There's what are they? Tom's gonna, a yes. They're
2: a thirty-point yeah. favorite. Yeah,
1: they're going to beat yeah. Kansas. Let's not be stupid. So they're really five and five, and then you've got at West Virginia, which is not easy. West Virginia on the road is tough for everybody, even if West Virginia is not great. And then you've got Kansas State at home. And we've seen Kansas State could be a big pain in the butt, too. But I don't want to. Obviously, Texas is not where it's supposed to be, but they've lost four in a row. But let's look at the four teams they've lost to. It was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor and Iowa State. They lost to the four best teams in the conference this year. Now, you'd like to see Texas being one of those teams and beating them, but that's just not the situation. They got off to a good start. Maybe it kind of raised our expectations for what they're expecting too soon. And then just all the stuff behind the scenes, like the video of the coach yelling at the players on the bus. Good. Because if my team's lost four in a row and they're not upset about it, I'd be yelling at them too. And you, you know have, who looks bad there? The player. Who the guy who recorded
3: it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. What the hell is that? Uh, because, man, you can't let that kind of you can't let the idea that it's OK to lose seep into the locker room because then that just is what happens. So every coach in America should be doing that if they sees their team acting like that after a four straight loss, especially when you just got your ass kicked by 23 points. So I don't know. Like, that's the weird thing. It's like, I don't know right now. There's clearly some fractions between this new staff and some of the older players on the roster. I don't know how that's going to work out. But just from a talent perspective, I feel like this team's going to get to a bowl game.
0: Kansas State at home is not like that. That is the danger zone. It's you win for, against Kansas. Maybe you go and, and you do take that L to West Virginia. That Texas team is five and six playing against Kansas State at home in the final game of the season. I don't like those vibes at all. Like, get it done at West Virginia. I'm going to say bowl, but let me say get it done at West Virginia because if you come home with five wins for that final game of the season, I'm taking the Wildcats all day. I'll say bowl, but barely.
3: What do you think? Maybe What'd bowl, take- bowl. Danny t- or uh, t- Chip took bowl. Mm-hmm. What'd you take, Bud? I took bowl. is the
2: culture a is a problem. Right <clears throat> the culture <throat> is a problem. The, the whole Bo Davis thing was awesome that he was doing it. Should have been a player that should have been yelling at the other players for cutting up after a game. The fact that there was a player on there filming it was a massive problem. Like, there is a culture problem. You had receiver, you know, yelling at coaches, then transfers a week later. Like they're, And I give them credit because the coaches, I do think, are trying to weed out the issues that they do have. <laughs> culture problem, are you going to be able to – I think it's not that dissimilar to the Gators. Like – it depends on are they gonna get the buy-in from the younger guys that are left over, or are they gonna get kind of everybody feeling sorry for themselves? Well, this isn't the coach that we signed up for, and you know, he's trying to come in here and tell us what to do. I don't know. I'll say bowl just because you have to feel like it matters to them, but man, I think it's gonna be dicey. I'll
0: tell you what, if they do make that bowl game, I am fading long Orange <laughs> in that bowl. Actually, I want Texas in the postseason. I want Florida in the postseason. I want all these teams that were wondering whether or not they're going to quit. I, I want to be able to uh to jump on the other side on the oh. Big Ten team that's going to want it so much more when they play against them in the bowl season.
3: We do bowl locks, don't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I am horrendous in pregame bowl locks. Fade the hell out of me on that. Like, I'm very confident what I do pregame, but like, that's, I don't bet. I don't bet a single thing pregame in bowls unless I like, like get some insider and post somebody's out. I just for me it's all live betting. That's what it's makes betting be bowl fun. games fun.
0: Psychology season. Barton <laughs> yeah. Simmons, he would always say, you know, all of us are armchair psychologists. Who wants it more? Bet, and uh,
3: I like it. Favorite live bet ever. Uh, West Virginia. Will Greers announced this out. I knew who the backup was in that game. I knew he couldn't play at all. I was like, okay, yeah, this is <laughs> we're, we're 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 unloading here. Let's That's go. your favorite live bet ever against Syracuse in the bowl game. Oh yeah, because <laughs> like I, I I I could take him on. I could take Syracuse on the alt line and and just I knew the kid just could not play and was not a not a D one caliber kid. All
0: right, Uh Steve Sarkeesian recent hire, not hot seat, but uh, another job. Let's turn our attention out to Westwood and UCLA because Chip Kelly and the Bruins are five and four. And look. The the remaining schedule is favorable because you're playing against Colorado, USC, and Cal. Those are all bottom half of the Big tw- of the Pac-12 type teams, and you only got to win one more game. But the quality of performance from the Bruins has been really frustrating. If if you were in uh, if you were in the camp of believing that this is going to be a team that competes for the Pac-12 South Championship, so bowl or no bowl. And I guess you know this is the same, like we're putting Chip Kelly in that, you know Dan Mullen kind of position, like, hey, so where where's your roster feel about you? Because um, finishing strong and being able to be eight and four and in the postseason, that's the kind of thing that has us looking back and forgetting about this midseason slide that the Bruins have had, because eight and four, especially compared to the records that UCLA has had prior to this, looks like the improvement that we wanted to see. You lose them all. You miss the postseason. I think we might be looking for a new head coach at UCLA, uh, given all the investment that has been made into that and the lack of production. Where do you fall on the Bruins? Five and four, Colorado, USC, and Cal, bowl or no bowl.
2: Bowl, one thousand percent. Bowl easy. All right. all right. I think it's a bowl or better bowl. Like, do yeah. you think that do you lean towards the eight wins or do you lean towards the <laughs> one and two and let in? I think a bowl is a lock. I think it's just what bowl are you going to? And I do think for Chip Kelly, it could go a long way to going eight and four to gaining him some, some firm support from not only the players, but recruiting and the, you know, boosters, all of it. So I think it's, I think it's kind of critical that he does win out. And I think he can. Yeah, I think, I mean, I He's don't I, the two good teams. Like Utah yeah. may be the best team in the PAC 12 and they went toe to toe with Oregon. Like, I, I don't think there's any shame in losing those two games and, so I think I think that went out.
1: Yeah, I think they probably finished seven and five, but I think eight and four is a lot more likely than six and six.
0: All right, some confidence for the Bruins. You you love to see it. Um, let's uh, open the board. I sent a whole bunch of like almost nearly two dozen uh, potential teams in that uh, four and five, five and four type range. What stands out as a team that uh, you want you want to take a survey of the group on?
3: How about uh, how about Washington?
0: Washington is four and five. The remaining schedule is Arizona State at home at Colorado. Washington State, Apple Cup on the road. Two at home, one on the road, but Arizona State and Washington State absolutely losable. I say no bowl.
1: I think it's a coin flip, but it's one of those situations where it's like all the crap that's going on off the field right now, like Jimmy Lake is suspended for the Arizona state game. John Wilner, who's is tapped into the pac 12 as anybody in the country, as far as a media aspect tweeted yesterday, his opinion, not he's not, wasn't reporting it. He's just, it was make prediction that Jimmy Lake will not coach another game at Washington and Justin Wilcox will leave Cal to take over the Washington job. So that's one of those strange things that you have to keep track of.
3: But, because of all that, yeah, I'm going to lean towards no bowl. I mean, I'm going to lean towards bowl very slightly, but I mean, Arizona State is is pretty unpredictable this year. Colorado is getting better, I guess. I, I'll go bowl very slightly. This is probably the one that loses me this game, but I'll I'll go ahead and go bowl. Um,
0: I, I think Colorado is the win. I think the other two of the losses, and they finish five and seven.
1: I see, the thing with me he is that wrong, Wazoo man. game, they've dominated Wazoo. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, but that was also like Jimmy Lake and Pete Krukowski would talk about Mike Leach's offense. It's like, well, he never changes anything, so it's the easiest game to prepare for every season. But Mike Leach is gone, so maybe now is going to be a little bit more difficult for them to deal with. I i don't know. I i feel like mathematically they're more likely to make it. It's just with everything going on. I, I, I don't think they're going to make it.
2: I'll say, I'll say they don't make it either. I'm gonna say they get one. I think they finished one and two. All right, so
3: I'm, I'm lone wolf in that one. By the way, on the Wilcox Ooh. thing, I think he'd be a great hire for them. Heck yeah! But, but you cannot let him to t- take Musgrave as his OC. Like you got to get somebody who runs a more college style offense. Like that's been the reason he hasn't gotten jobs at Cal is because they just can't score any points. You mm. just had this with Jimmy Lake for two years in a row.
0: Washington and. uh Arizona State, I, I don't, I'm worried that Jimmy Lake not being on the sideline is going to hurt it. But boy, that has a 37 point total if I've ever seen one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like, was it Arizona State favored by like 20, but an over under a 44 or something stupid like that? Maybe it's 13 and a half. 20 might be a little bit too, uh, too aggressive on that one. Uh, all right. What about any others that stand what, out?
1: What about LSU?
0: LSU has a remaining schedule of Arkansas, ULM and Texas A&M four and five is their record. ULM as ULM has been playing better. Hey, Warhawk's been playing better, but I think that's a win for the Tigers. That would get them to five. A&M's probably a
3: loss. So do they beat Arkansas? No bowl. My numbers say bowl, but I'm going no bowl. Um, because I I do think Arkansas will will beat them. And I don't think they're going to be able to pull it out against A&M.
2: Danny? You guys don't think they'll beat Arkansas?
3: No, I I bet Arkansas. Uh, I I think LSU secondary is going to get exposed here.
2: I'll say, yeah, I'll say, I don't know. I'll say Bull. I'm going to take the other side. I was pretty impressed with the fight against Bam, and maybe I'm sucked into that one. I'm going to say yes.
3: You got any Max Johnson transfer intel for us
2: here? They're oh. they're, they're, pl- they're giving
3: more reps to Nussmeyer. It seems like a quarterback oh, really? competition. You, you got any kind of uh, yeah, I'll any have intel to reach out here? to
2: my guy. I'll have to yeah. reach out to Big Bad Brad, the TikTok sensation. Have you guys tell seen him? him? No, He's doing trick but shots out there.
1: Tell, tell Brad that I know a school in Illinois that could use a QB. Uh, hey.
2: I'm gonna tell Brad, which I probably don't have to tell him. There's a school that he attended that could use a Max. <laughs> yeah. I would absolutely, <laughs> take him in a heartbeat. Why? Wow. So With all due respect, to to Illinois. When I, can I, I, Illinois.
1: When you can I, go, to I, Illinois. I, <laughs> go to Illinois, come on. <laughs> That's true. Two and zero against ranked teams. You know what?
2: I might, have, I might have to get on this. i might yeah. see if we can see if we can get something going. All right. What about? Sarah I got King's? one. I got one for you. Okay. okay. I mean, are we gonna be playing the Dino Drop? Yep, that's uh, at the just, end of the yeah. season. Five and four with on the road Louisville, then on the road NC State home against Pitt. Do they get one more? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Does it have to be this weekend? No. So
1: you think they could go to NC State and win, or you think they could beat Pitt?
2: Correct. I think man, NC
3: State is very really well. They've been, really well. They've
2: been fighting.
3: Yeah, you I know mean, what's I just, total BS. By the way, what De- Devin Leary getting left off the Davy O'Brien Award final twenty? That dude is it, like the throws he was Ballin'. making. He's a stud. He did. Like, he'll be one of the best kids in that 2019 QB class. Watch. I hope it runs in the family.
0: Um. It's so like I think that committed to Illinois. The the NC State game is a little bit tricky for NC State because you're coming right on the heels of the Wake game, which you know means. Everything. So where where are you gonna get from the Wolfpack? I think that hinges on the result in Winston-Salem in ways that could be good or bad. And then what if Pitt already has the coastal locked up when it shows up to the carrier dome? Yep, that could be a potential spot where you're able to get the Panthers. Uh, those two teams have played some like weird, strange games where I think that Syracuse it doesn't have to be this weekend, though I agree that the odds. Uh, probably favor getting it done this weekend against Louisville, a team which also needs it as the cards are four and five with Syracuse, Duke and Kentucky
1: left. Yeah, I'll say they get there. I'm just not incredibly confident
3: in it. Uh, that's a sweet man. I'm, I'm, I'm going with him as well. Also, Pitt is no stranger to give up explosive runs on the ground. they basically the only way that Syracuse scores. So like their defense is pretty solid. The offense is still very one dimensional. Um, Louisville will be the interesting one, though. I'm very curious to see, like, how hard do they keep playing?
0: Do, do you have them on quit alert?
3: Yeah. Wow. Just from reading some tea leaves from some media members I, I follow on Twitter, uh, they're they're a little suspect about what's going on there. So I, I I'll be betting some Syracuse alt line this weekend just in case Louisville quits and Syracuse blows her ass out.
0: Virginia Tech hmm. head coach Scott Satterfield.
3: Does four and five at Louisville get you a conversation for the Hokies job? I, I, my guess is Napier for that job. Yeah, who are
1: who are that's Virginia Tech fans? Who are you after? Who do you want? Like, who's the guy that's been the name that everybody at Virginia Tech has just decided is the guy, and we must
2: have this guy. Gary Patterson, let's go. (laughs) Oh. That would be interesting. I would take Dead. it all day. But that's yeah. why I thought Shane Beamer. Like that's why I thought it was interesting because I would think there would be the whole family ties. And if he has a big year at South Carolina, even though it's one year, you get him early while he's hot. You know, we'll see. I'm um, I'm still bothered by Bud's uh, Devin Leary news. I was not aware of that. The dude is balling. I, I, the fact that he's not one of the top is this is this when they whittle it down to how many? or Is this still when they have like twenty down to twenty? Danny, I saw on Twitter yesterday. I, I couldn't believe it. That's pretty ridiculous.
3: He's really pretty damn good, and and like he's not making yeah. these BS throws. Like he he's making no. big time NFL style throws.
0: So you're gonna take Frank Harris off the list?
3: Can we can we get the list? Like <laughs> sure. Anthony Brown is on the Anthony. list. Anthony Brown is right. on this that's, list, and Oregon, Oregon wins team. every game it wins in spite of him.
1: And right. Anthony Brown's on that list because of the Ohio State game. That's it.
3: But he didn't even
2: do that much, did he? No, I, mean, he I know. But random. he played.
1: He played well in the game, and he hasn't really been great since. And but I think most people are just like played well against Ohio State, led them to a big win on the road. Uh, here's one. Here's one I think is a true coin flip. USC.
0: USC is four and five. The remaining schedule is at Cal, UCLA at home, and BYU
3: at home.
1: That Cal Cal game was postponed until December 4th. So that is actually their last game
3: now. Oh, they are going to play that? Yeah. Yeah. How How many kids quit and transfer?
1: I don't know. But shout out to USC for doing that because they could have easily just taken the forfeit and helped them get to the bowl game. But they're, like uh, Coach said, William said, I'm not trying to get to a bowl game off a forfeit. So. That's the event. benefit
2: of having an interim coach who doesn't care about mm-hmm. the long-term. Like exactly. He doesn't need the bowl game to secure his job. He, he might, he might like another week to
1: impress. On you know. the field. Damn right.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say no bowl. I think it's wrapped. I think uh, USC loses to UCLA and BYU and then goes out there to play for the spirit of the game on the championship Saturday in a weird time slot.
1: I do feel like BYU is probably the toughest of those three games because as we've gone over USC struggles with physical teams and BYU is a physical team. The problem is defensively, BYU is not been great. I I'm gonna lean yes. Slightly, like fifty two percent.
3: Yeah, I'm at like forty five percent, so it's it's a no for me, but again, pretty slight.
2: Danny, I'm going to say no. I think they lose to UCLA and BYU. I, like we were talking about UCLA, I'm more bullish on UCLA winning out and USC losing. BYU is a good team. Like BYU is sitting there that again, that's their Super Bowl type feel. It's I think they've got all the momentum. All right. Any others that we want to
0: spotlight before we hit the break and uh, hit a couple mailbag questions?
2: Illinois 100% going bowling.
0: Illinois had to include them on the watch list on the Davy O'Brien. No, honorable. no, we we
1: start the show with like Florida State and it's three percent chance, but we can't <laughs> even talk about Illinois chances. <laughs> I right, I'll give Illinois a ten percent chance. Damn straight, they're going to take if, seven. It it all depends on if Iowa's still ranked when they plan. If Iowa's still ranked, they're going Bowling because they're going to win that game.
0: They've got a game in hand. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's just uh, it's a, it's a position where I could see Iowa and Northwestern as wins. I say Illinois Bowl. Damn, straight. put it on the dock.
3: Let's go. If we did this conversation preseason, we was like Illinois is four and six, and these two teams are still in slate. Tom would have told us it was a negative percentage. Like there's <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: but then we we've seen Iowa and Northwestern, and we understand that to win both of those games, you just got to find a way to seventeen.
1: Yeah. And also, like, aside from the Wisconsin game, even in the games Illinois has lost, they've been competitive in every single game, which is a huge change from what we've seen from that team most
3: in the last five, defense, six, seven years.
0: Defense has been all right.
3: It's been good. It's been, by the way, uh, I'm tracking this very closely. We have a very tight race for the worst offense in the Power Five this year between Andy, Kansas, and Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Mm. All within, like, half a point in SP plus mm. come down to the wire, man. <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald teams don't score coming up on the other side, opening
0: up the big old bag of mail for some questions on uh, staff turnover. Who has been more disappointing Florida, Washington, a couple teams we've discussed already. And how long does it take to overhaul the roster of an average power five team? Next. Robert
1: half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring.
0: all right this first question comes from trent uh gents this is the go-to cfb podcast for content and entertainment two questions number one i was in the stadium as a uf student in 94 when i watched the choke at doke unfold but the question is what was the conversation in the huddle to go for two and the win considering florida defense on the field the entire fourth quarter and then number two uh, with Mullen replacing staff, do you think it will be more of a Tom Herman or a Brian Kelly result? And I guess that would be Tom Herman changing over all the staff the year before getting fired. Brian Kelly doing staff changes after the 2016 four and eight season that have gotten him in the college football playoff two times in three years. So I, I like your reference Trent, but first we got to go back to
2: uh, story time uh, from, from the Knowles Danny. All right. So quickly choke a 31, three came back I'll give you the rundown of what happened because there was no in the huddle conversation, but in between series, when we had cut the lead to 14, it was kind of, started feeling something special was going to happen. And Mark Rick told me when I came over and put the headsets on, I talked to him, he was up in the booth. He said, when we get to within one, we're going to go for two. We're going to go for the win. It was, it was no doubt. And we were going to run 30 trap, which was a little inside trap to Zach Crockett, our fullback, who was, uh, you know, unbelievable back, big dude, who had scored on the first touchdown of the comeback to make it 31 to 10. So in my mind, we were going for it. Like we were going to go for the win the whole time. And that was kind of the mindset. I already knew the play, so it wouldn't be any – it would be efficient. We knew exactly what we are going to do. So when Rock Preston, my running back, scored to make it 31 to 30, I'm actually running because of crowd's going nuts. Everybody's celebrating. And I'm thinking – No, we're going to win this thing. So I'm trying to get everybody to stay on the field, like to get everybody's attention. Hey, wait, wait, we got to go for two. We're going for two, keeping everybody on the field. And then like one of my offensive linemen like turned me and like showed me Coach Bowden, who was just going like this. And he was just had his one finger, which meant kick it. And so, and he's like, kick it. And so I was like, oh, so I was kind of dejected. I was kind of bummed. And then we kicked the extra point to go for the tie. So Coach Bowden overruled Mark Richt in that situation, said, no, 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 we we came all the way back. We can't let it come up just one point short. And we actually got the ball back and got really close to either a Hail Mary or a a super long field goal. It would have been a 58, 59-yard field goal attempt. But your boy... Tried to scramble for a first down, which would have stopped the clock. And I came up about a half yard short and we had no timeouts. And I'm trying to I slide, come up, and I'm trying to get everybody to spike it. And we spike it with point or negative one, like negative half a second. It was the clock had expired. So we ended. But I remember I I was I was bummed. It took me a while to kind of cause I don't, I didn't want to tie. I wanted to go for two, and I felt like we would have scored, but Coach Bowden was he was right. Cause it looked back like if if I didn't have that game, like we wouldn't be getting questions about the choke at Doke. Like, and that's all I get talked about is the Choke Doke when I talk about my career at Florida State. And if we wouldn't have got it, and I don't know if people are looking at me the same as my career at Florida State. So what do you think? Right, Danny, I'll let you get first crack at the how do you think this
0: goes for Dan Mullen? Does this end up being staff changes that, you know, rejuvenate his career and turn the Gators into SEC championship contenders? Or is this just the first in a maybe multiple year, maybe two-year step of Dan Mullen's time with the Gators coming to an end?
2: I think it's really hard to answer this question without knowing who he gets, right? Because I, I think the turnover is going to be there clearly with the changes he's already announced. I think one valid question is how appealing is this job to the type of coordinator that's really going to resonate with the fans get everybody excited because you're if you're a coordinator that's really sought after – are you going to go somewhere where you know the, the heat that's there? You know that, Dan, if you don't turn it around, that you might be out in the street looking for a job, and is your stock going to continue to be on the fly or be on the be on the rise? But I think it's interesting because maybe there's a coach that absolutely does believe in himself. Hey, I'm going to fix it, and maybe I parlay it into another head job. So, I think it depends on who he gets in there more than anything. And then we can answer that question. But, like we talked about the herman or or uh, Chip Kelly. What about the job Jim Harbaugh did? Like Jim Harbaugh made a lot of changes and tough changes, and those have worked out pretty well so far. So I think it depends on who they actually uh, bring in I, mean, I
1: yeah, I agree with you. It's a really difficult question to answer without knowing who the coaches are. But I will say, I'm leaning more towards Tom Herman, just simply because the Brian Kelly example stands out because that's more the rarity where a coach overhauls the entire, entire staff and philosophy behind a lot of things that they do. And it works most of the time. It's like no matter the intention, most of the time it still doesn't work like it, it's not. A, so I think it can work because with the. Play, things, the, the, th- the structures in place there with the desire to win at football, I think that as long as Dan Mullen's willing to do it, it could work because it's still Florida. You can recruit to Florida if things are right and you actually take an effort and put an effort forward to getting the talent there, but I don't know. I, I, I would lean more towards Herman just because I feel like that's the more
3: common outcome. I, yeah, the odds say Herman. For sure.
0: Yeah, um, and I'm reading from Dan Mullen's own, like, the way he's handling this, right? I mean, just... It doesn't. It doesn't all line up towards um, like a total rejuvenation of spirit, a total rejuvenation of the 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 trajectory of the program, the recruiting trail. You know, it's just. I think this ends up being more of a Herman situation.
3: I guess the the couple saving graces here. Number one, you do have Richardson, and Dan Mullen does develop quarterbacks well. I know he heard himself dancing in the hotel before the (laughs) South Carolina game, which is disappointing. Uh, that's not a joke. Like he actually did. Uh, according to Mullen. if if you develop him, everything could be all, like totally fine next year, right? Because I mean, Georgia loses a, a bunch, and I think he does have like serious serious ability. Uh, we were already talking about firing Grantham a long time ago, even before things got bad. So to me, it suggests he could be more than just a fall guy. He could have been an actual problem, right? That may lean you towards, hey, not Herman, but you know somebody that actually worked out. Uh, the one thing I'm not convinced this fixes, though, is does, does Mullen care about and emphasize recruiting with the top-down recruiting matters approach? That's the one thing that, uh, that will really, I think, solve this or not solve this.
0: All right. Let's just do. Uh, we'll do one more. We've been bagging on Washington and Florida enough. We don't need to just add even more. Because, uh, and I think this is a little bit more fun. By the way, should we reveal the mystery team that we forgot to reveal on Saturday night, or should we just no. continue to leave that as a running, um, uh, a running bit where listeners? No,
3: but keep the bit because we might not talk about. It. Well, we will talk about him this week. We talked about him yesterday.
0: And we just talked about him.
3: Yeah. In the
0: last him. twenty In minutes. The last
1: question too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. This mystery team will be unveiled on, uh, November 27th <laughs> on, on yeah. November 27th. Somebody, the, cover, the cover three mystery team.
1: So put that in our calendar. So that way we remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, this last question from WR Kane. I'm a lifelong Vanderbilt fan and started listening when Barton Simmons was hired there. Question how long does it take to overhaul a roster for an average power five team? And what specific characteristics do you like to see that tell you it's moving in the right direction?
3: Um, There's really no set answer on this at all. And like the one set answer I would give you is that in the early signing period era, uh, it is going to take longer because the, the vast majority of times, your first little class you sign, you only have two or three weeks put together is going to suck and you're going to get nothing from it. Even the guys that are doing well right now, look at Jimbo, his first class terrible, right? Or if you did really poorly, your first class probably also kills you. See, you know, Taggart or, uh, or Morris there at Arkansas. Um, hitting on quarterback is really, really important. And that can speed up your timetable some, but that's difficult. We just talked about Josh Heupel hitting on hooker. Heupel did not sign hooker. Pruitt did. He transferred to Tennessee under Pruitt and then Pruitt got the axe and then Hypo went out and got Joe Mixon. So there's a huge luck component involved in this. If you want to look at factors that are within your control, I would say the most important one is, uh, are you recruiting and beating out some of the teams that you expect to beat uh, now and maybe winning a battle or two against the teams you expect to beat once you're good again, right? Um, I'll use Norvell as an example. We have not had in the early signing period, so five classes, a top 15 class for a team that didn't have like a brand new head coach, you know, in year zero, year, year one, that won four fewer games. They're 12th right now. So I made this point on NoCast the other day, like they're recruiting at a historic level relative to on-field results. That would be something that would make me say, okay, this could be going in the right direction. Um, but like, look at who you're beating battle. Look, look at who you're beating out for recruits, who wants your kids, your, your signing. And uh, and look look for... Non win loss uh, signs of roster improvement.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, there's no set way, but if you're a lifelong Vandy fan, I can relate in that I'm an Illinois fan and we just, like Vandy, underwent a coaching change there as well. And just comparing like some early positive signs were in the last regime, Illinois would beat up on the teams it was supposed to beat up on and it would lose to the teams it was supposed to lose to and it would get its ass kicked by the teams that were supposed to kick its ass sometimes they would have crazy fluky wins like the the wisconsin couple turnovers from wisconsin late turned it around they came back from a 25-point deficit at michigan state thanks to some craziness to win that game and then they go bowling but typically those kind of wins were because of fluky results this year's illinois team first of all like you mentioned bud recruiting wise they're winning some battles within the state that they hadn't been winning in a while and against other big 10 teams that's a good sign on the field, not only did they go to Penn State and beat Penn State and go to Minnesota and beat Minnesota, but there was no fluke to it. They dominated those games. The post-game win expectancy of Penn State was 87%. The post-game win expectancy of Minnesota was 75%. And in their losses, they're no longer getting blown out by the teams that are supposed to blow them out. So it's like signs like that. There's nothing definitive that makes you say, "Okay, this is where things are going to change. But there are little things that if you pay attention, you start to notice the difference or you don't notice a difference. It kind of gives you a pretty good indicator of where it's more likely to go.
2: Gainey, you played for the winners. But I have no idea what you do like what what your hope is here for Vanderbilt cuz I was going to ask Bud like who are you supposed to be competing with for recruits at Vanderbilt like what is your comp, like what is your comp
3: Ideally Northwestern Stanford tr- you are trying to, to go to some of those those good academic private schools throughout the southeast that places like a Stanford or Northwestern or Notre Dame go to and you're not going to beat the Irish for a whole lot of kids, but can you can you beat the Irish on you know one or two kids who maybe like the the more you know city atmosphere of Nashville? It's a pretty cool growing town. Um, that's just a really really hard job, man. I mean, you win four games at Vanderbilt. It's just it's not one of those jobs where you control your own destiny, right? We talked about this, but like when Vanderbilt was good, they did every single thing right, basically, and then got extremely lucky with the other people in that division being down. Which was out of their control. Um, They have to just go and find under the radar kids and hit at a a rate that some people would feel is unsustainable, right? You you have to just be so damn good at at talent identification and development and really understand, you know, where do I need like fit guys and where do I need talent guys within my system.
0: I think that there's a modern model, um, and and like the the question introduced Vanderbilt fan, but also said an average Power Five. Roster and Vanderbilt's not the, your average Power Five university. I think Michigan State is probably above your average just because of some of the built-in uh, success and the tradition that's been there in East Lansing. But with 15 additions from the transfer portal, including the Heisman Trophy candidate Kenneth Walker, Mel Tucker has taken what I've started to call as like the college basketball Chris Beard approach to this, which is if I really believe enough. In what I'm building here, what we've got in the locker room, what we've got on the coaching staff, we can welcome you in. We can find a fit for you, and you can gel as part of this program. I I think that that is going to be as useful of a skill in all of college sports as we continue to have more freedom of player movement. But if you want to start to look for ways that you can speed up that process, where the early signing period has extended it, then. The Mel Tucker model of hitting on the transfer portal I think is something that a lot of coaches are going to fail to emulate and have it explode in their faces, but I think it's possible to be able to emulate that if you've got, again, um, you know, everything – the foundationally, it's strong.
3: So I, I do want to – I agree with you completely, Chip. Michigan State really hit above its weight class in the transfer portal this year. Um, I want to point out, by the way, that that was not a program in shambles on the field. They were thirtieth in SP Plus in 2018. They were 42nd in 2019.
0: But all the good recruits year. had gotten kicked out. Like they had like
3: three recruiting classes in a row where we were getting arrested, sexual assault charges. Like it was. Well, that the one the one of, class in particular was the one that was yeah, it was like super hyped and it ended up maybe they got those guys for a certain reason. You know, like, like we t- we talk about sometimes on here. Um,
0: were some cast tech guys? Like they were even coming from yeah. programs where normally you would expect them to to go to Michigan State. It was just bad. I mean, it was just. It's a rough, a rough hand.
3: I guess what I'm saying is like Michigan State right now is is 22nd in SP Plus, right? Like you could, I think they're maybe a little bit better than that. They're probably a top 20 type team this year, but they weren't coming from a program that was like 80th or 90th or even 70th. I mean, the, the years before Tucker came came there, they were what what I say 30th and 42nd. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty good base to start from, and they've hit in the transfer portal well, but they were existingly good along the lines of scrimmage. Um, and I think last year was sort of a wash year because he took over so late. So it's like they they did things to improve it. But I, one of the reasons I like them going into this year and bet they're over was I thought they had a pretty like pretty good bones on that roster from D'Antonio.
2: Guys, well, I promised a dude I'd get in one of his questions. He DM'd yeah. me on Instagram. Yeah, I got time. Uh, let me get it real quick because I promised him. Uh, all right, all right. It's not a. It's not this one. Uh, all right said it gets uh here we go. Uh my question is, as a depressed tech fan, do you see a light at the end of the Georgia Tech tunnel? I keep hearing from the staff we are trending in the right direction, but the wins seem to be lagging behind. Was the talent gap really that drastic that 3 3 to 4 3 win seasons were inevitable?
0: Well, losing in Northern Illinois was a bad start to the season, which you already had one of the toughest schedules in the entire country. By a lot of metrics, Georgia Tech was going to be probably destined for five and seven or something along those lines, just because the schedule was really, really difficult. You've got Georgia, you've got Notre Dame. Um, you had to, you get Clemson every single season. Uh, so you thinking if they lose all of them, it's going to be another three and nine season and you're disappointed. I, I think that you, you probably believe the coaching staff. You give it another year before you get angry.
3: I think when you transition off that type of offense, you, you really should give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but are they actually winning recruiting battles in that state at a high rate? This year, they have a top twenty-five class. That's that's pretty good. We last year
0: they had a top twenty-five class too. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, like he's improving the the recruiting talent there some. Uh, if you want to go with some red flags, defensively, Georgia Tech with the defensive head coach. Not not good. They're seventy second on defense. Mm. You know that's that's not great. But I will point out, like when he took over there, he took over nineteen. Chip, yes,
2: yeah, Yeah, nineteen was his first year.
3: Yeah. So they were they were one hundred eleventh in SP Plus that year. Like they were just terrible. I do think it's going to take quite a bit of time. But if things don't go well, there are a lot of coaches who will be intrigued enough by that Mm. Atlanta market that they they want to try that thing.
1: Yeah. I, I think if I'm a Georgia Tech fan, the one thing like you mentioned, Chip, that schedule, like when Notre Dame's on there and added to the Georgia Clemson game, that's just going to be tough every single year. But I think that what you'd like to see is improvement within the conference. And you haven't really seen that yet. Like it was two to six in year one, three to six last year, and it's two and five right now. So it's like I feel like next year I would like to see at least four and four in conference play. And then it maybe there's a sign that we're moving in the right direction.
0: But I mean, 33 to 30 against Miami, you were right there. 48 to 40 against Virginia, you were right there. You beat North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like, Pitt embarrassed you. But
2: I mean, that totally was so with Clemson early. Totally, we know, yeah, like, we absolutely. Didn't know. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, I will it's say, lose like,
3: big, lose close, win close, win big. Miami being that close was a fluke. They got outgained by 250 yards. Like, that, that's the one I pushed back on. Like, that was not a competitive game from a down to down standpoint. They just got extremely lucky with turnover touchdowns. But Turniple the rest of them, nuts, I agree with. They still count the same. But it's not repeatable skill. It's not showing improvement. It's it, it, it's fluke. But
0: they still count this. i sure. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> uh, all right. Reminder: 11 a.m. on Thursday. It's gonna be your locks that you need for the weekend come and get them you want them you need them you can watch live youtube.com slash cover three go and smash that notification bell so that you can get an alert every single time that we go live you can follow him on twitter at Tom Fernelli. you can follow him at danny cannell you can follow him at bud elliott three you can follow me at chip underscore patterson gentlemen thank you very much
1: thank you